Comments and Reactions to Patriarchs and Prophets, Chapter 5, Cain and Abel Tested. Time for the comments, thoughts, reactions in Chapter 5, Cain and Abel. Um, this is probably one chapter that I've read over and over many times. Like, this is one chapter of the entire book that I've been reading a couple of times over, I guess. Not that I was planning to, but because I didn't know this as much as I did, to be honest with you all. So, thoughts. Two persons in this chapter, Cain and Abel. few things that blew my mind is that Abel has such a very short story like I didn't notice that but if you think about it Abel has I don't know just a few verses in here and he doesn't even have a dialogue like he doesn't even have a speaking role in this if this was a story like how how do you balance this and Cain has a lot like Cain has the far extent of this whole story. He has a conversation, he has all these things, he has his genealogy, and it makes me wonder why. You know, because when you look at this, what makes this such a big deal? But, another thing is, what Abel did was probably so big, is that whatever happened in these very few verses, he was, mirth, he was worth mentioning in Hebrews chapter 11, in that hall of fame for the faith, faithful people, right? Like, what Abel, what Abel is playing as a part in this story is worth mentioning over and over and over and over and over again throughout the entire Bible. Like, wow. Alright, so let's just get back to the main focus of the story. Two brothers. Abel offered a lamb because he was a shepherd. Cain was a person who was tending towards, I don't know, you can probably say a farmer. I don't know. Not sure what the real proper term would be, but that's probably it. He's tending towards the fruits or the produce of the field. Now, I'm going to start off with my first understanding of this story as a kid. I don't know if you have the same, but basically, a few biases I've thought is that Abel know what, knew what he was doing. Cain didn't know what he was doing. Because Abel was a shepherd. It's natural for him to go there and not sacrifice the lamb or the sheep or whatever. And Cain, because he's in charge of vegetables, that's all he got. So, it's not a big deal. He made a mistake. Abel made that thing. And then, you know, Cain probably got jealous because he worked hard for it. And then he killed Abel. Stuff like that. Which is practically wrong. Yeah. That's not what happened. You see. So I began reading this whole thing again. What is reflected in these two people? 
it's a reflection of who we are today. Ooh, ooh. why am I saying that? Number one, I'm going to tell this story and try to see where you probably fit into this. So here we have Abel and Cain. They're both sons of the first parents. And what happened is, if you've read the previous chapters, you would understand that what's going on here is that when they sacrifice, they're actually not doing that out of ignorance. Every time they sacrifice, it's not because they don't have no idea what they're doing, but they really know what is going on. I mean, they're just outside the Garden of Eden. They see that it's being guarded by cherubims with flaming swords, or whatever it looks like. And they know that every Sabbath, they had to come together and worship God. And they offer this sacrifice as an atonement for their sin. And it needs blood because that's how big of a deal sin is. But Abel goes on and does it because he knows he is a sinner. Mm-hmm. What about Cain? Cain knows he is a sinner, but he doesn't want to do it. Why? You see, what stands out in this story after reading it several times over and over again is the fact that Cain brought the fruits of his labor. And God said it was not enough. Cain wanted to say, you know what? What is the death of a lamb going to do that I have nothing to do with? Cain didn't even raise that lamb. Abel raised that lamb. More often than not, that's probably the case. What's that going to do for Cain? Like, how is that suddenly going to be a symbol of forgiveness? Like, Cain had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it. But, when we're talking about fruits, we have first fruit sacrifice there in the Old Testament, you know, so you can see that Cain was thinking, you know what, here's my labor, here's my effort, here's my righteousness. Now, see where, where this is going? I like how the story gives us an inside look on what's going on through the mind of Cain. Like, have you noticed? They both set up the altars. Abel made a sacrifice in accordance to what God has provided in his direction. The Lord honored Abel's sacrifice by a, like, supernatural confirmation of a fire from heaven. But Cain, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, we probably are going to let this slide, but think about it. If you were there, and you have just literally seen fire come down from heaven, would you be at least a little bit moved? Now, here goes my point. Sometimes we wait for miraculous things to change what's in our hearts, right? Like, if this happens, I'm going to make that choice. If this 
impossibility happens, I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to change. But more often than not, we're probably going to be shocked by the fact that miracles don't change people. It just reveals who they really are. So let me get back to the point. What was really inside Cain's mind when he did when he did that? Cain was saying, but not offering the lamb is he's saying that he does not want who he does not want the what the lamb represents. He does not want Christ. He just wants salvation, or not, I don't know if you would call that salvation, but Cain wants to get the benefits of salvation without Christ. Am I right? I mean, you get what I'm trying to say. Cain wants what salvation offers without Christ. He wants it by his own efforts, by his own labors, by his own humanity. Now what does that remind you of? Actually it reminds us, it reminds me personally of what Satan has been offering Eve. All the benefits of being like God without God. Page 72, paragraph 5 says, Cain and Abel represent two classes that will exist in the world till the close of time. One class availed themselves of the appointed sacrifice for sin, the other ventured to depend upon their own merits. Theirs is a sacrifice without the virtue of divine mediation. So let me just point out straight to the point. What was in Cain's heart? What was he trying to do? He was trying to rebel. Why can I say this? Because if you read the story over and over and over again, straight from the Bible, you will see that when he made the mistake, God went to him and talked to him about it. What did he do? Nothing. Not only did he do nothing, he went and talked with Abel, right? He killed Abel. I mean, how in the world can you even think about doing that when no one's ever died yet in the universe? Right? Like, not only that, he doesn't even flinch. Abel dies absolutely nothing, no remorse. And the Lord comes back to him. Can you imagine this? This scene right here, and the Lord comes back to him. And talks to him about it. But still, he doesn't flinch. He even pretends that he knows nothing. Can you believe that? He pretends that he doesn't know anything. But then when the Lord gives out his judgment, he doesn't even kill Cain. I mean, he could have, right? A lightning bolt would have struck him, or fire from heaven would have consumed him as payment for his sins. But the Lord would have been justified, I believe. But he actually lets Cain go and live. Now, I've been trying to wrap this around my head. The other person in this story, God. God knew what was going on 
all along. But why? Sometimes it's really hard to wrap this around your head when, when you look at it on the surface. Like, okay, so Abel chose God, he died, that's it. Cain rebelled, he gets to live, runs away. And why? And I think this is where we will need to understand God more. First of all, I'm going to talk about Cain. Why did God let Cain live? The only thing I can think about is, as long as Cain is alive, he could still make that sacrifice. I mean, looking at it from the perspective of God, pleading with Cain every single time, just make that sacrifice. And you will be forgiven. But until he dies, Cain never did. And that was his choice. And Christ died for Cain too. But Cain didn't want that sacrifice. Cain didn't want Christ. Which brings me to Abel. What did he die for? You know what I mean? I mean, look, man. He just straight up died. I mean, what's in his life? What? What is he probably going to remember? He just went up there, he gave a sacrifice, helped with his brother, he died, and the next thing he knew is that, wow, okay, the second coming is going on, what happened? So, <clears throat> what's the big deal with Abel? What's the point? One thing that I like about this story is that it opened my eyes to how big of a statement Abel's life is other than just his death, is that this is a rebuke to Satan. That Abel, in dying, was assured of salvation. That even if Satan killed him right there and then, he could no longer be snatched away from Christ because he died in Christ. He died having that sacrifice of the Lamb. And his death is not actually a bad thing in the sense that, oh, he's a poor guy because he died. No. He died with hope. And there's absolutely no way that Satan can get him away from Christ ever again. And that there would be some people who would actually choose Christ, who would actually die for Christ. And this, this is what makes, is what makes the plan of redemption worth it in chapter 4. Moments like this, small moments like this, and which brings us to the fact that why is Abel's sacrifice more excellent than Cain? It's because by that sacrifice, the first death of man was a death in Christ. 
And that first dead person was the first assurance of eternal life. Man, so beautiful. What are your thoughts on this? I don't know. Go ahead and share it with somebody. Spread a fire. Spread love. And yeah, I hope you'll be blessed.